Morning, friends. I hope you guys are doing well. We are on our 6-8 project weekend to talk about these sorts of things that circulate around mercy and justice and walking humbly with God. And in all of these conversations, one of the key ingredients is humility. Pride keeps us truly from the heart of God. And so we need to have an act of humility to say, Lord, would you show me, teach me, give me eyes to see, ears to hear the things that you want me to know, the things that your heart beats for and how my heart might beat for those things too. And there are people who just say, like, we shouldn't talk about these things. Like, that's like not for the church. Just talk about them somewhere else. And, and we just don't believe in that. We, we think that all things are spiritual conversations at some level. And these things impact us from a, from a discipleship perspective of wanting to follow Jesus Christ. And so we intentionally set up this weekend every single year so that we would be reminded about the things of God in a certain way that we would have an increased awareness, which would change our affections and lead us to new actions. So this is kind of the process that we would say is we want you to become aware of some of these issues. That's why we, we hosted last night's event with Matthew Sorens so that we would become aware of a lot of the conversation around immigration, legal immigration, illegal immigration, refugees, asylum seekers, the economic costs, what's it look like for them to be in schools, criminality, all the sort of conversations around changing cultures. Are they in my city? Where do you find them? How do you treat people? Um, all of these things that we want to ask but don't know where to ask, we asked last night. And there are some of you guys that weren't able to be there last night, and I would just encourage you to find that link on calvarybible.com, find 90 minutes in your very busy schedule and watch that video. But here's kind of that sequence again. So awareness helps lead us to new affections. And that's what God wants to, to, to change our hearts, so that we would have the affections that God cares about. And then, then from those affections, that would actually lead to action. So with a new heart for the things that God cares about, now I'm starting to behave in a different way that God cares about mostly. And so around this conversation with immigration, refugees, asylum seekers, you might not be interested at all. You would be like my waitress last night. So Jennifer and I got to take Matthew and his daughter out to dinner and we were over in Lafayette and we were kind of lingering too long. And so I just quickly said, hey, why don't you guys go to the church? I'll meet you there. I'll pay. So I found our waitress and, and said, hey, I'm sorry, we're scooting out. Uh, we, we hung out a little bit too long. Uh, could, could we get our check? And she said, oh, you guys off to something fun? And I said, absolutely. He's the vice president of, of advocacy and policy for U.S. immigration. And we're gonna have a night of immigration. And she's like, oh, so not fun. And I was like, what? Yeah, no, fun. I said, let me ask you this question. If you were gonna hang out with us tonight, like ditch work and come hang out with us, what questions on immigration would you have? And she said, I don't have any. I didn't really think about that. I said, you didn't think about that. She's like, no, I, I just don't think about immigration very often. I said, okay, well, if you were to think about immigration, what would be your question? She's like, ah, uh, I don't know. Why does it take so long? Oh, that's a great question. That was asked last night. And you can find that at carrybible.com and, and many more questions like that because this is an issue that the Lord really cares about. When, when God was setting up his people, he wanted them to have the heart that God has. And so let's look at Le Leviticus to begin with. Leviticus chapter 19. God says to his people as he's setting them up to be a people. Leviticus 19.34. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native amongst you. 
Treat them as the, as the same as the native citizen among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. This is the heart that I want you to have towards the foreigner, the stranger, the sojourner, the immigrant that's in your land, that's taking resources from you. I want you to treat them like you would a natural born native citizen. For remember, you were exiles and you were foreigners in Egypt. And think about how you were mistreated. Never treat the foreigner like you were treated in Egypt. I am the Lord, your God. And then this heart of God for the foreigner finds its way into the legal code of how Israel is to behave. And so Leviticus chapter 23, 23 verse 32 Verse 22, and when you reap the harvest of your land, so like you're bringing in the crops that you planted, that you purchased, that you watered, that you cared for, when you're bringing in those crops, you shall not reap your field rights to its edge, nor shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner, the immigrant, foreigner, stranger, I am the Lord, your God. And so when you are bringing the harvest that you purchased and you planted and you cared for, leave the edges untouched. Don't, don't glean every single drop out of your produce. Leave that so that those who are impoverished, those who are in the vulnerable situations can be the widow, the orphan, the sojourner. When they come into the land, they can walk on your property and glean from it, eat from it, care for their families from it. This is the story of Ruth. And he says, even when you're picking all the sheaths up and you're throwing them in the back of the truck and it becomes so big that some fall off, don't go back and pick them up again and make sure that everything you dropped, you gather. Leave that for the widow and the orphan and the sojourner. That's built into their law. This is how you be the people of God in the land. And, and then there was all these stipulations. If you obey the laws of God, the ways of God, you're going to remain in the land. If you forsake the ways of God and you do wickedness and evil and you're unrepentant, I will come and remove you from the land. And I'll discipline you because I'm a God of justice. And if, if you don't treat those who are vulnerable in the land with justice and mercy, then I will remove you from the land. And now we're in this series in Daniel where they've been removed from the land. And we haven't answered this question yet. Why are they exiles in Babylon? Like now they're foreigners, sojourners, immigrants, slaves in another land. Why? And Daniel tells us why. Daniel chapter 9, Daniel is confessing these sins. The sins that he is responsible for, that his people are responsible for. And in Daniel chapter 9, starting in verse 4, he says this. Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Like This is who God is. A, faith, a God of faithfulness and love for his people. We have sinned. And we've done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened 
to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to, your, to our kings, our princes, our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. So here's David, I'm oh, sorry, David, Daniel saying, Lord, we just confess to you who are, who are a faithful God and a loving God. We've just been faithless and have not loved like you've called us to love. And their root problem, the root issue, do you catch it in there? Their root issue is this, they did not listen. You see that? We have not listened to your servants, the prophets. See, God is merciful and gracious and slow, slow to anger. And he's been sending messengers, prophets, to Israel to say, come back to the heart of God. Return to the things that God called you to be. Act like children of God. And they are unwilling to listen to the word of God. And so God sends prophet, messenger, after a messenger to them. And the kings won't listen. And the princes won't listen. And the leadership won't listen. And the people in the land will not listen to God. And this is why we pause every single year and say, may we not drift from the things that God has revealed to us. Because the prophets come and they speak against the people of God in three primary categories. This is the three failures of the people of God. They all start with I. The first one is idolatry. The primary offense is idolatry. You have worshipped other gods. You've, you've had affections for other gods more than the only God. And your offense is idolatry. And then the second accusation that the prophets, the messengers come with is you have acted unjustly. Like you have perverted laws and abused people that serve you to your benefit and I'm calling you out for it. And the last one is indifference. Is you have not cared well for the widow, the orphan, and the immigrant who I have asked you to care about. And you've been indifferent. This is why the prophet Isaiah comes to the people and says, okay, people, the Lord said to me, he is sick and tired of your religious gatherings. You show up and you sing the songs, you make the sacrifices and you go through the motions and it's like a foul stench in his nostrils because that's not what he's called you to. He calls you to loosen the chains of injustice, to plead the case of the widow, to care for the orphan and the sojourner and you neglect all of that and then you show up and you act religious and he's tired of it. Return to the Lord. And Daniel just says, we, we didn't listen. Like, it's not that you're at fault for not speaking. It's that we're accountable for not listening. And so we take time to say, are you aware of what God has said? And then being aware of what God has said, can it change the affections of your heart to care for the things that God cares about and then to move you to action, to act like God acts? And, and one of the prophets that's a contemporary to Isaiah that's speaking to people before they go into exile, calling them to return is Micah. This is where we get the 6-8 from. Micah chapter 6, verse 8, where the prophet comes and says, do you ever wonder what the Lord requires of you? 
What he would like from you? You ever ask that question? I mean, like, I'm single, I'm married, I'm a mom, I'm a dad, I have kids, I am a kid, I'm a teacher, I'm a policeman, I'm a firefighter, I'm a CPA, I'm a lawyer. What does God want from me? Micah 6.8. Micah 6.8 is the answer to that question where he says, he has told you, oh man. Like, you don't know because he hasn't said it. I don't know because I'm not listening. So he has told you, oh man and woman, Humanity, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, love, love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? And the humble piece is the hard piece, I think, for us as Americans, is we think we know everything about everything. And we're so entrenched in what we think about most of these issues that we almost become unwilling to be convinced of another viewpoint. And there's just this call to say, in a humble posture, Lord, teach me. Teach me your ways. And I'm going to act in justice. I want to, I want to act in justice. I don't want to pervert justice. I don't want to abuse people. As much as I can, I want to be a person of justice because God is a God of justice. And then there's this, this act of kindness and mercy. I want to be a person that loves mercy. What's the difference between justice and mercy? Here's a, a word, picture, and illustration that I've been given. I find it helpful. I share with you. It's like coming to a river in your town, a river that you love, it's beautiful, it might be a life source for your town, you get your water from this source, and as you come to this river, it's filled with garbage and trash. And you're like, no, not my river. And so you're like, you just jump in. And you just like start grabbing all this trash and throwing it out. And you put it in bags and you take it away that day. And, and you come back the next day and there's more trash. And so you jump in there and you start grabbing the trash and you put it in the bags and you collect all the trash and you, and you clean up the river. And you do this every day. And then sometimes you're, you're gone for a period of time. So you come back a week or two later and there's even more trash that's filled up. You can't even see the water. You're jumping in there and you're always pulling out the trash to clean up the water, and, and that's an act of mercy, is you see a need and you immediately act. I want this to be as clean as possible. I want this river to be as healthy as possible, so I'm gonna remove its contaminants. Justice is slower than that. Justice is, a lot, is arriving on the shores of the river and asking this question, where's the trash coming from? Like who's throwing trash in the river? And so you take the longer journey upstream to figure out the source of the trash. And in justice, you begin to either change things that need to be changed so that trash won't be thrown in the river, or there's the other piece, you hold a people accountable for the ways they're breaking laws and polluting the river. And so justice is slower. It takes more time. But for justice, you're saying, let me travel upstream as much as possible. Maybe I can change the way things are, which would actually have an effect downstream. And so God calls us to both. Do you see an immediate need to jump in and help for the sake of health and human flourishment? And can you see of ways that are causing damage later on? And can you be involved in that too? Because that's what God's heart beats for. Mercy and justice, and it requires humility on our part to say, give, God, give me eyes to see and ears to hear what you're up to. And so, so Daniel's looking at it saying, God, we, we know what the prophets have said now, and we're, we're at fault for not listening. Now, there's another prophet by the name of Jeremiah who writes to the exiles while they're in exile, and he's trying to encourage them and also help them see 
not only their own faults, but God's plan, that God will not discipline his people forever. That God's justice is for his people, whether they're causing wickedness or people who don't know him are causing wickedness, God holds all people accountable. He holds me accountable. And he says, you know, the Lord's not gonna discipline you forever. Remember, the Lord is abounding in love and he's faithful, and so he's gonna bring you out of the land. And he reminds Daniel of his mission while he's in exile. We've been talking about how do you remain faithful when you live in a place that has a worldview, a set of values, a current, so to speak, that opposes the things of God. How do you remain faithful? Well, one of the things that you need to remain faithful is a mission. It's almost impossible just to hang on and not know why you're hanging on. And so God, in his grace and benevolence, wanting to reach all people, gives Daniel and his friends a mission while they're in Babylon. And the mission is not to become separatists. The mission is not to say, okay, go, go leave the city, leave it alone, don't be contaminated by it, don't be employed by it, don't engage in any commerce with it. I go buy 150 acres outside Babylon and just leave. And I know there's something in us that's like, man, that sounds so good. It's like, give me 150 acres in Wyoming and just let the world leave me alone. Now, obviously no one wants to live in Wyoming, so it wouldn't be in Wyoming, but we can't afford Colorado, so I don't know what to do. <laughs> but there's something in me like, that's kind of what I want. Like, I know, just like, maybe it's a private island and I can just be there and leave this world behind and just wait for Jesus. And that's not the mission of being exiles. And so what does God call Daniel to? Well, this is Jeremiah chapter 29, starting in verse 4. God says, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem into Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. So he says, okay, not, don't be a separatist. Seek the welfare of the city, pray for the city on its behalf and multiply there. That's, that's in the mindset of what it looks like to live as a faithful follower of God in a place that opposes the very things of God. Build houses, build gardens, lay down roots, marry, have your children marry there, have grandchildren there, do not decrease, multiply. This is calling us back to the Genesis mandate. Be fruitful and multiply. And that Genesis mandate is true whether you're living in the land or not. Be the people of God. Be the same people of God. Be faithful to what God has called you even as you live in Babylon. And that's so helpful for us to hear because many people will say, who wants to bring kids into this world? Let's have small families. And God's calling us, no, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't decrease, multiply. Don't give up, grow up. 
plant, house, plant vineyards, build houses, take up jobs, have families, have generations in the middle of exile. Now, part of that is to tell Daniel that hey, there's gonna be some false prophets that are coming in and tell you, God's gonna deliver us next week. Don't believe them. It's gonna be a while. And so set up shop. And part of it is just for us to say, the way we, we live faithfully is that we live on mission. We live on mission. God's doing something and we're still participating with what he's up to. I put it to you this way, that fruitfulness inspires faithfulness. Is you, when you know what we're supposed to be up to, what God is up to, what his heart beats for, how he calls us into partnership, that sort of fruitfulness of multiplying, seeking the welfare of the city, praying for the city, man, that just inspires faithfulness. Like, I want to be on board with what God is up to. And so fruitfulness, being on mission, inspires faithfulness. Which is why Calvary, why, why we historically serve the community here locally and even globally. Is we want to seek the welfare of the place that God has planted us. For our welfare is attached to its welfare. And there's many Christians that say, no, they're just separate. Leave it all alone. Who cares? And God is calling us to seek the welfare of the city for in its welfare we find our welfare. Like just laws benefit people. Just do. Agencies of service benefit the community. Caring for one another, knowing your neighbors, being in relationship with them, sharing meals with them, benefits the community and benefits our lives. And so Calvary has, has historically sought the welfare of the city. And the reason we do that is because it's missional. We've said many times, maybe you've been around Calvary and you've heard this before, maybe you haven't. But the reason we do good deeds is it produces goodwill, which leads to these opportunities to share the good news. Okay, and we're living in a culture that's becoming more and more hostile to church and faith. And this is the way we think we actually win people over is our good deeds produce goodwill to present good news. Now, a lot of people look at that and go, well, that sounds like winsome faith. And we reject that. You can't live winsomely. The time to live winsomely is over. And I'm here to tell you that many of the relationships that we have in the city should not exist, but exist. And people have come to know Christ because this church has done just that. Is you've presented good deeds so that the world might see what you're up to, which creates goodwill, which gives us the opportunity to share good news. And I can't tell you how many times this has happened for us, where we have relationships within the community where people come to know Christ in partnership with the community because of the way that we act intentionally. And over the years, Micah 6.8 has produced some amazing things. I, we created a whole bunch of stats and I just have no time to share all of these. But there are so many good things. Thinking about over the years, we have packed, this is for the international community, 352,000 meals to people who are in food-scarce regions. Over the years, we have had 1,000 tiger packs. Those are the backpacks for local kids living and going to school in our city to be cared for at their home. Over the years, we have cared for people in the midst of emergency. Remember in 2022, just last year, we spent, we, sorry, we didn't spend, we gave away nearly a quarter million dollars 
to families who had their homes burnt down or unable to live in their current residence. Just to care for them and say, hey, God sees you. The church sees you. I hope this helps your next steps move forward. Those are acts of mercy. And then there's acts of justice. Over the years, we have partnered with global organizations to care for those who are most vulnerable, specifically women and children, boys and girls caught in human trafficking. Because of the generosity here at Calvary, remember back in 2019, we opened up a operation station in Ghana and Calvary gave the financial resources to support this interception station. And because of your willingness to do that, since 2019, our station in Ghana has intercepted 444 people from potentially being trafficked. It has aided in the arrest of six known traffickers. And here's the best part. We have seen 25 people from that station alone come to know Jesus Christ. That's like just a drop on the things that we have been actively doing here at Calvary. And today it's just wonderful to see food in the lobby for local students, these welcome baskets for refugees. It's mercy and it's justice at work. Why? Because these are the things that the heart of God cares about. He cares about these things. And so we want to be faithful listeners of God's word, to listen to the word of God as he speaks to us. And then as we become aware of these things, our affections change. And because we have new affections for these things, our actions change. And so then we simply live as the people of God, people who do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. If you've never been around the conversation around immigration, and you might not even know the difference between what's an immigrant, difference between an immigrant, a refugee, an asylum seeker, I would highly encourage you, I know you're super busy, but I'd highly encourage you to grab the link off calvarybible.com, the conversation that I had last night with Matthew, and just jump in to help you understand what is going on and how we as Christians might participate even on the local level and the national level, being faithful both to God and subject to governing authorities. If we're gonna follow God, we have to follow him in both of those things. How do we follow him in his heart as well as his command to submit and surrender to the local laws that govern us in as much as they do not oppress us or keep us from doing the very things that God calls us to do. But in all of this, all of this is simply a response that Jesus Christ did this first for us. That Jesus Christ humbled himself, not grasping, holding on to his right to be in heaven with God, but humbled himself, taking on the likeness of man in human flesh. And what did he do? Sought the welfare of you and me. And because of his, his mission to seek out our welfare, he acted in both justice, he took the justice of God on the cross for all the sins we have committed, and then he lavishly extended us what? Mercy. Micah 6, 8 is the heart of Jesus Christ towards you. 
and me and to the world. And so it's almost like you go all the way back to Leviticus and say, okay, remember that you were in the land of Egypt. Remember you were slaves to your sin and the justice of God was still on you and you had not received compassion and mercy and now you have. And so would you extend that out to the world around you? And how we individually do that will look different. But Micah 6.8, the 6.8 Project Weekend, is to remind us of what the messengers from God have said to us. And for us to be willing to listen. Can you hear what God's heart beats for? What does he require of you, Calvary Bible Church? Oh, do justice. Love mercy and walk humbly with God forward. And the best place to do that is at the communion table to remember what Christ did for us so that we might do that for the world. So if you're helping with communion, would you come forward now? This is a time for those who have believed and entrusted their life to Jesus Christ to have a family meal. Like we were strangers and foreigners. We were far from God until the work of Jesus Christ brought us close and near. And so if, you, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the meal is really for those who have. And so let it pass by. Or, 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 I implore you, Receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and say, Lord, I confess I have sinned and not done what you've required of me. Would you forgive me? Would you forgive me my sins? And Lord, would you be the master of my life? And then as the meal comes by, enjoy it, partake in it. It's in the work of Jesus Christ that we who were far off have been brought near. And so let's pray. Father, you call us to seek the welfare of the city, to multiply and not decrease, and then to pray on its behalf. And so, Father, we come before you, before we take communion, and we pray for our city on its behalf. For leadership that don't know you, for leadership that don't love you, would you change their hearts to love Christ and to love us from the love of Christ? Would you show them of God's great love for them and Father, we know that many people serve in our community that do love you. And I pray that their faithful leadership would be felt in our community. And so, Lord, may we be people of Micah 6a to pursue the things on the heart of God. And Lord, we thank you for sending us your son, Jesus Christ, who sought out our welfare, who acted justly, who has extended mercy. And so, Lord, we come before you at your table to remember this great work on our behalf, to say thank you. We come before you and we confess all known sins and we ask for forgiveness. We ask you to search us and know us and to, to surface within us things that we should confess and, and bring to the table this morning. But Lord, may we remember our Savior, Jesus Christ, today. It's in his name we pray. Amen.